0: rainmaker fm and welcome back to the writer files i am still your host kelton reed here to take you on another tour of the habits habitats and brains of renowned writers The recent Wallace Degner Fellow at Stanford University and acclaimed author of the award-winning short story collection Hot Little Hands, Abigail Ullman visited me this week to talk about having a beer with George Saunders, the life of a traveling freelancer, and the idiosyncrasies of great writers. In addition to being a freelance copywriter and screenwriter, the native Australian author and self-confessed gypsy has followed in the footsteps of other famous itinerant writers. At Stanford's two-year Creative Writing Fellowship, she got the chance to study with great writers like Tobias Wolfe and Calm Toybean. Other notable fellows, to name a few, have included Raymond Carver, Ken Kesey, Scott Turow, Thomas McGuane, and Larry McMurtry. Abigail's short stories invited the interest of publishers, and her first book, Hot Little Hands, went on to win her a 2016 Best Young Australian Novelist Award and as a collection of heartbreakingly tender and often darkly funny fiction. Lena Dunham called it a highly inventive collection of short fiction, which hits virtually all my buttons. And Publisher's Weekly said of the book, the captivating women in this collection leave a lasting impression. In part one of this file, Abigail and I discuss how a love of travel and words led her to Stanford University, the emotional challenges she faced finishing her first book, On the shift from the solitude of writing fiction to the collaborative nature of screenwriting how she tested out her interview skills on the biggest stage available and why she nerds out about her coffee ritual the writer files is brought to you by the all-new studio press sites a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of wordpress it's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right. Welcome back to the Writer Files. I have a special guest on the show today coming to us live uh, all the way from Australia, Abigail Ullman. Thanks so much for popping on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, Abigail is an award-winning acclaimed, uh, short story writer, Stegner fellow. I kind of feel like when I say Stegner fellow, it's almost like, um, the president, like once you're a Stegner fellow, like you're, it does that title just follow you around everywhere you go?
1: I mean, I hope it does. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried that one day it's going to fall off the bio. but um, <laughs>
0: that's so cool. far it,
1: it's been around and it's helpful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty amazing story in and of itself. But uh, yeah, Abigail has led kind of an itinerant life of, uh, I think, um, a traveling writer. A lot of a lot of writers kind of would die to uh, do but you follow in the footsteps of some literary greats and and um, so I know you have lots of great stories to tell us but uh, yeah your acclaimed debut collection Hot Little Hands was uh, released in paperback in the U.S. in March and um, yeah thanks so much for coming on to talk to us about your writing process.
1: Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. I keep saying here, but I'm actually there. I'm very far <laughs> away from you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we're lucky uh, we're Lucky that she got are on the call. So, um, yeah, uh, recently you did the Sydney's Writers Festival, I understand, and interviewed some some big names. Did you get a chance to um, – I know you interviewed Britt Bennett, and uh, mm-hmm. did you get a chance to meet, like, George Saunders or anybody else huge?
1: I did. I met George Saunders, but only for the, like – you know 10 seconds it takes for somebody to sign a book i waited in the queue like everybody else and yeah. then um he signed he signed my book we were both drinking a beer That's um awesome. i was yeah i was like wandering around i was like standing in the queue drinking a beer which was a little, a little <laughs> less um classy and subtle than george sitting at the table signing books and sipping a beer but yeah we just chatted about the beer we were drinking i think he actually worked with tobias wolf who i was lucky enough to work with at i worked with yeah. him at Stanford and George Saunders worked with him at Syracuse and now they're very good friends still um, so we talked about that for about five seconds and then he and then he said to me, my wife also knows Tobias Wolf, so go and find her and talk about him because he had to sign, you know, a hundred books after mine, so um, yeah so that Amazing. was that whole conversation, but it was great
0: That's so cool, I mean, he always strikes me as just like um, the writer's writer you know, like when you see him on like the, you know, like the cover of a, a writing magazine, it's like Kind of like the um, I don't know just the epitome of a, a, a writer, I guess, so
1: he really is, and I saw him I saw him speak in Melbourne the week before the festival in Sydney, and then I managed to get a ticket to see him again in Sydney because he's just so amazing. If any of your listeners ever have a chance to to see him speak live, he yeah. really is the writer's writer, and he's so he's just so funny and wise and warm. And you know, humble and brilliant, and it's just—it was so inspiring. I was taking notes on my phone. I felt like an undergrad or something. I was just like, he was just giving all of these pearls of wisdom. That I had to get it all down. So um, and my friend was like, it'll probably be a podcast. You don't have to write it all down. But I was like, George, I need to keep these words forever. You know, he really, he's just so amazing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: brilliant, <laughs> brilliant man. Um, well, this podcast is about you, so we don't need to go on about George, but. Um, Yeah, uh, I'd love to kind of go back a little bit into your origin story because you have such a fascinating story. Um, And I said itinerant because you've kind of been a world traveler, but you have these amazing stories about. Um, your time in France, obviously getting it, the the Stegner Fellowship, uh, which if listeners don't know is a two year creative writing fellowship at Stanford University, that's had some amazing uh, notable, uh, including you mentioned Tobias Wolf, I think was your mentor. Is that right?
1: That's right, yeah, yeah. And, think, and but he but he was also a Stigna fellow once upon a time. that's right, so, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: Raymond Carver, Ken Kesey, I mean, the list goes on and on. Larry McMurtry. Um, I know I'm only mentioning men, but i'm I know there's been lots of famous women writers that have have done it anyway. um so take us back a little bit, like, how did you end up there and and to where you are now this this award winning uh, short fiction writer and and then, you know, we'll get into what you're doing lately.
1: Sure. Well, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I've just always had a real fascination with travel. Um, so, and a lot of Australians, you know, Australians are sort of famous for saving up a bunch of money and then going away for a really long time because we live so far from most places. So we tend to sort of go, go away for a while. We can't just kind of pop to another country for a couple of days. (laughs) We don't have any borders with other countries like you guys do. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I've just been really fascinated with it for a long time and started to do it when I was pretty young. I took a gap year between high school and university and saved and traveled and then pretty much I've been doing it um, at every opportunity since. Um, So And also, I guess there are a few things that that I have in place that allow for that, Um, for example, um, I don't really have any student debt, which is helpful <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, when I went to university it was, it was heavily subsidized by the government and um, I do freelance copywriting, which means I can kind of take that with me if I'm organized enough and do it from anywhere. So that helps yeah. um, that I can kind of work along the way. But, yeah, so pretty much the last bunch of years have been sort of me, yeah, kind of being in Australia and saving up and then travelling and um it's certainly something that is really stimulating and um yeah really feeds my writing. Um so yeah, so basically I kind of did that before university and then as much as I could during and then afterwards. And um yeah, and I really all of that time, you know, especially after university, I was like, I wanna be a writer, I wanna be a writer and I was sort of travelling around and working and people would be like well what are, you write? what are you writing and I was just really working on like I was just writing my travel journal basically which is mainly just complaining about the other people in the youth hostel who were like <laughs> getting up really getting up really early and like rustling their plastic bags and making me um or just like postcards and emails to people at home so I wasn't really writing at all <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um <laughs> so so yeah, eventually I kind of came back to Australia and um, applied for a bunch of master's programs in creative writing. But I wasn't—I mean, I was—I was excited about it. But our our writing programs tend to push you towards being um, fairly academic. You know, there's a lot of theory involved, and your thesis has to be half creative, half theoretical, and then there has to be sort of a bridging doc- bridging document that talks about how your research has informed your creative work. So. I had kind of over the years read a lot of um, really when I first started falling in love with short fiction, I had started reading the, um, the Best American Short Stories series that I had just kind of come across and really yeah. fallen in love with short fiction that way. And then I started reading the contributors' notes at the end of the anthologies, and so started to be like, you know, where are these? Where, where are these places? Like. Syracuse, New York, and Bloomington, Indiana, and just these like small college towns that people, that these writers were were living and teaching in. And then I was like, what is an MFA? And what are these fellowships? And I just kind of started looking into all of that stuff. And then, um, yeah, and then I think that I applied for three MFAs and the Stegner Fellowship. And to be honest, I don't think I really understood properly what any of those things were. <laughs> I only applied for the ones that didn't require a GRE right. because um, I can't do maths and I was really terrified of just that whole process. So... Um, yeah. So I think I probably thought the Stegner Fellowship was an MFA or I don't really know. I just knew it was sort of this concentrated time of, yeah. of two years of writing and I knew that, that it funded, which was, which was important. So, um, yeah, so I kind of just like sent off my applications and then, and then really forgot about them <laughs> until I got, until I got the phone call, so, which was amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, since then you have written this great collection of short stories, Hot Little Hands. And, um, Gotten quite a bit of acclaim, uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, uh, you know, it's been described as heartbreakingly tender and often darkly funny fiction, fresh take on the experiences of contemporary young women, and uh, you know, Publishers Weekly book list kind of raved about it. Um, got some got some interesting players. I think the, the Lena Dunham one is kind of interesting, and I know you've talked about how uh, you didn't want to be <laughs> kind of put in the same box. <laughs> as that but uh the book is great I will point out of course in the show notes but yeah uh I understand you got the book deal just based on a couple short stories that you'd written um and then took some time to do it
1: um yeah well first I should say about the Lena Dunham thing is that what was really (laughs) funny was that um was that I sort of had quite a few stories written already and then that showed her show girls started and then people were um you know just like happily texting me and calling me and saying like, oh, this show reminds me so much of your fiction. And then, of (laughs) course, that was making me so anxious because I thought, well – maybe it's going to make my work redundant. And I think actually just that moment in time caused a lot of anxiety for a lot, for a lot of like creative young women. Oh, sure. Um, so I didn't even watch the show because I thought, oh, you know, these scenes that people are saying are very similar. I'm going to have to feel like I have to take them out of my book because <laughs> what is a tiny book of short stories compared to like a massive HBO show? Um, but actually like, yeah, that's what was so amazing actually about when – um, I mean, and I, you know, I think when, I, when you're a young woman writing about – Contemporary young women and sex and relationships you do sort of inevitably get compared to Lena Dunham at the moment. <laughs> right. But that's sort of true of like I don't know I just feel like our our media outlets or reviewers or whatever whoever it is are just kind of like lazy. So I think it's probably the same if you're a young guy <laughs> writing about like a road trip then you're going to be compared to Jack Kerouac. It's just like we right. have our like you know 10 archetypal writers and you're going to get compared to one of them. But um but that was what was cool is that like Lena Dunham wrote about it in wrote about my book briefly in her Lenny letter thing and I was like that's just yeah that's like so that, I felt like there was a lesson to be learned in that just in terms of like someone who can make you someone someone that can make you really anxious or that you're worried is gonna it's gonna make your work redundant can actually just like be really generous with you and like <laughs> you know make space for you and recommend your work to others and that yeah. was a real sort of like lesson to me and how to be a good yeah how to be a good sort of creative person in the community cool. anyway but back to your other question I am um, yeah, I I did sell my book unfinished. I was really lucky. I sold it to Penguin Australia and it was six stories long at the time. And we decided that I needed about three more. And then I said, oh, yeah, that'll probably take me about six months was the time that I gave myself <laughs> to do that in. Right. And then literally years went by. Like I just was – I got really – sort of like emotionally paralyzed. I have to say emotionally paralyzed because I always say I got really paralyzed and then people think that I actually physically got paralyzed and that's just like <laughs> then I have to spend a lot of the story kind of like undo- undoing that impression. So no, I was like sort of emotionally paralyzed because Before that, you know, like with everybody else, I think, um, like writing, even though I'd been sort of sometimes anxious about it or uncertain, it had been very playful and I'd just been able to kind of write whatever I wanted without sort of thinking about an audience and certainly not thinking about like a publisher reading it and what it would mean that this would definitely be in a book. So um, I was really lucky to get that book deal. But then once I had it, I just sort of every time I sat down to write, I would think, oh, my God, like. They're waiting for it. I would think about my specific publisher who's wonderful, but who, my, my Australian publisher, um, but who had told me sort of over our lunch when we were celebrating the fact that he was going to buy my book, he would kind of told me which stories he liked the most and what he liked about them. And so, like, of my of my unfinished manuscript. And so then I was like, well, he liked that one. So I was kind of second-guessing everything and thinking, like, I've got to write something else like that to make him happy because kind of he owns it now. And anyway, so I really got in my own way for, like, years and years <laughs> and years. And, years. <laughs> and, it was, and I really, in that time, I just thought, like, I might not finish it. And, and that is why when people were like, oh, this reminds me so much of this new TV show, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, like, <laughs> I'm never going to finish it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, it was, um, it was kind of a, it was kind of a trying time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's yeah. cool. So, so you obviously finished the book and, uh, you know, we talk about writer's block some on this show, so we can, we can circle back to that when we mm-hmm. kind of dig into your process a little bit more. So what are you working on now? Um, that, uh, that's all behind you and, um, you've successfully published and, and are you working on another book? Are, I know you talked about doing some film projects based on some of your short stories. Um, what yeah, are you up to? that's
1: actually, those are my two projects at the moment. So one of them is um, a novel. And the so the short story collection, Hot Little Hands is about adolescent girls, like teen girls and women in their 20s. And, um, and the, the novel is kind of about two characters who are sort of in the next stage of life. So kind of going in like 30s, mid 30s kind of, age and stage mm-hmm. um, so that's that's really nice and then I mean like that's really nice to just be working on a new project oh, and yeah. then um, and then yeah I was actually contacted by a theatre director in Sydney um, who wants to move into film and had read my book and thought that some of the stories would adapt well into 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 the film format Great. so um, yes I'm working with her at the moment and I am yeah I'm working on the two screenplays one short film and one Feature and that's been really great because it's a it's a collaboration and you know she's given me feedback about how she thinks the stories might um, benefit from being changed you know in the in the adaptation and um, that's just like really exciting to kind of firstly I think have give these stories hopefully more life in the world and yeah. have more people experience them and then secondly um, just to be working with someone else because one thing that really I find difficult about um, the writing, yeah, you know, writing books is just how much solitude there is involved in it. Um, and because I'm freelance, I'm I'm really only, like as a copywriter, I'm really only in an office one day a week with one client, and the rest of the time I just work from home or cafes or wherever I am. Yeah. So there's some. So it's been really great to um, yeah, to actually like work with another human being in real time and feel sure. like we're sharing a project. That's really nice.
0: That's cool. So you're shifting gears. It sounds like daily, weekly. Um, so that's that's kind of good for your brain, I think, going from fiction to copywriting and then back to screenwriting, which is a completely different type of writing, right? Um, it's far more yeah. far more kind of uh, uh you know the, the the form itself is kind of limiting, but also liberating because you can kind of go anywhere and do anything with that camera. So. P- pretty cool. Yeah, it's
1: true, and it is. Um, it definitely like is a new skill, and I think because I kind of committed so much of <laughs> the last bunch of years to just working on fiction and just working on that short story collection, which was very challenging. It is really interesting to kind of be in the world in a different way now, and be like, yeah, like re- working on a screenplay, and just realizing like, oh, I'm gonna be bad at this <laughs> until I'm good at it. Yeah. And even with the Sydney Writers' Festival. That was like the first bunch of times. I mean, I had only moderated a panel once before. And so that was also a new skill of like working out how to be an interviewer and then, and then even like discovering whether or not I liked it and was good at it. And that's just really nice. Kind of like, I feel like a little bit coming out of my, <laughs> coming out of my like short story writing that's cave cool. and just like trying new stuff and being challenged. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's a big stage to test that out <laughs> that's really cool yeah
1: yeah it really well I know I was like I felt so lucky that they gave me such great famous writers to interview but yeah, yeah it felt like a really big state like it's like if I'm not if, if I discover I'm not good at this I'm discovering in front of, like, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people and then but I think it does get podcasts so like yeah potentially just like you know endlessly thousands of people who can always you know, listen to this
0: yeah, that's decades great. from
1: now if they want to. So for yeah, sure. but, was, but yeah, I did. I, I did end up enjoying it which is um which was lucky and good.
0: Nice, nice. Well, I'll drop a link to those uh, podcasts also um, for the Sydney Writers' Festival because I know that they put, are put up periodically. So it'd be great to hear you on those. Um, cool. So uh, you know, I mean you could briefly just walk us through like a a writing day for you. Um, Whether it's fiction or uh, screenwriting, kind of how do you get prepped? How do you get psyched up to sit down and actually get going? Do you have any pregame rituals or?
1: I do. So um, this is maybe kind of nerdy or very specific (laughs) anyway, but I'm like really, really, really obsessed with coffee. Um, And that kind of like affects like even when I travel and or when I live in other places, I always I'm just sort of like tracking where is the good coffee, if any, and kind of um, yeah, and sort of um, devising my itinerary that way <laughs> that way sometimes. And also, my main copywriting job is that I I write copy for um, a coffee like a roastery oh, wow. in Melbourne that, that has like a bunch of cafes. So and I've been doing that for about ten years, so I know like a lot about coffee and feel like a little bit involved in that community anyway so this is this this is that's all that is nerdy but the nerdiest part is that like my whole ritual is that like I put the kettle on in the morning I like weigh my beans to make sure I have like the right the right amount of beans (laughs) then I like use a hand grinder to like hand grind it like in my kitchen and then I brew it using you know, the pour-over method. But the the nice thing about that is, and I just kind of tend to think that rituals, it doesn't really matter what they are. It's just the process of, like, having a ritual that kind of, like, probably just, you know, like, maybe gets your rain going, um, or kind of gets you in the mood or right headspace or the mood or whatever that is. So anyway, so I kind of do that every morning and it's a portable setup. So I do it even when I'm traveling, if I can find clean water, um, and a way to heat it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do first. And I, I usually listen to like a podcast or music or something at that point too. And then, yeah. And then I sit down and like, I'll eat breakfast and drink coffee while I write. And, um, that's how I spend the first few hours of my day nice. and having said that that maybe all sounds like idyllic and like it always works but i but there's always a battle of like am i going to check my phone first thing and am i going to respond to whatever texts or emails or like am i going to look at twitter and feel anxious about u.s politics and you know like that, like, yeah. that's always a battle that i feel like i fight and usually lose every single morning so yeah that's going on as well as the coffee grinding
0: especially now in this <laughs> fraught time in history Jeez.
1: Yeah, it's so yeah, hard to exactly. turn away.
0: It's so hard to turn away and forget the woes of the planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, it really, it really is. And I feel like no matter where you live, it's bad because yeah. if you live on the east coast of the states, then you know you're dealing with it in real time. If you're up at the same time that like your president is awake, then you're like mm. dealing with whatever's happening on Twitter. And then if you're like, you know, you're in the wait, you're in the west, right? Is um, Denver y- considered west? It, Are you in Denver?
0: It is uh, technically in the West, but yeah, I'm in the Mountain time zone, so I'm not I'm not Pacific. Um, I'm one hour. I'm two hours from Eastern time so okay, like, yeah.
1: yeah so yeah so when you wake up or when people on the west coast of the states wake up then yeah then it's like you know it's all been happening so then you get all the commentary right. of like what everyone's been saying but in australia it's like trump starts tweeting like now so it's like you know pretty late <laughs> and pretty late at night and that's yeah. also like, like that can like affect my ability to sleep sometimes if it's a really bad news cycle yeah So yeah, yeah it's never it's never good for anybody but it's also hard to look away
0: for it's sure for sure Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.